Basically, imagine um, It's a Wonderful Life, but with no angel, basically. <laughs> with no divine intervention. No divine basically. intervention. Just <laughs> throws himself off a bridge. No. <laughs> Everyone shits on him all his life, and then he throws himself off a bridge. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. This week, it's a festive special. We're doing Christmas Chronicles 2. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Joe. I'm Dave. And I'm Austin. And just like Christmas Chronicles 2, we are battling to save Christmas. Well, that's not true. It's more like we are battling drawing Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Which, if you listen to last week's episode, you'll see it's definitely the case. Uh, now, this week's film on trial is the 2020 family fantasy Christmas Chronicles 2. Is it Russell Clouds or is it Brussels Sprouts? Mm, hopefully, we're going to find out. <laughs> Russell, sorry, Russell. Russell Clouts, you know, like cl- Clouts. He really clouts the box office. He clouts his oh. opponents. You know what I mean? Rocking and socking. Some them. people really, really enjoy Brussels sprouts, though. Do you know, like yeah, if you cook them with Brussels bacon sprouts, yeah. and you cook some, them, you know, really nicely, you know, they're quite tasty. All some I'm people say, also really dislike Russell. Yeah, Kurt <laughs> Russell. Right. Yeah, all the way right. around, really, for most people, I think. I don't think that's true. I mean, you're trying to purposely round me up. Uh, if we were to poll people, which would you prefer, Brussels sprouts or Kurt Russell? <laughs> I think sure. it depends on what country we did the. Um, what about the Brussels sprouts or Russell Crowe? Uh, <laughs> that's another one. Uh, guys, if you're listening to this episode, send us a message with which you prefer Russell's, Russell Crowe, Russell. Obviously, the hell, okay, Russell or Brussels sprouts. It also depends what you're going to be doing with them as well. If it is for Christmas dinner, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. How are you phrasing I thought, this question? I thought, well, it depends what you're going to be doing with Russell Crow or <laughs> Can we add Kurt Angle to say we've got like two yeah. Kurt's and two Russells, and we've got all angles covered? Um, right, uh, essentially, what we're going to try and find out is if Christmas Chronicles 2 will be placed on our esteemed hit list or our steaming shit list. I think I can now say our esteemed hit list again because I think it has kind of, it's been boosted by last week's verdict. I think uh, I think it may have have to have removed the words esteemed <laughs> list <laughs> from the intro. Uh, but just to say this would be a very spoilerific episode if you haven't seen Christmas Chronicles 2, it's free. It's out now on Netflix. It is. Uh, but if not, you can just trust our judgments. Alternatively, you can fast forward to our quiz this week brought to us by Ozzy. I can see he's still frantically writing and scribbling it down now. Um, that's going to start around the 45-minute mark, I reckon. Now, before we go on, our last trial was planes, trains, and automobiles. Ozzy, you judged that trial and you deemed that it should be placed, thankfully, on the hit list. Now, you've since gone away and you've watched the film. Did you make the right call? Tell you fucking what, I fucking thought it was one of the best fucking films <laughs> I've seen in <laughs> some time. Yeah, no, I really, I, I quite liked it. It was, um, I, I was pleasantly surprised. I thought I wasn't going to enjoy it. You know, it's very American humor, but uh, Alex got it right. Um, Did he? You know, when when Alex said uh, that it was uh, the perfect sort of Thanksgiving commuters watch, you could really enjoy it. Alex was bob on. Um, I- 
Joel thanks, didn't have thanks, much Ozzie. to add to the conversation, but Alex <laughs> was uh, absolutely spot thanks, on. Ozzie. Thanks, Ozzie. I worked hard on that argument. It was the tone I was especially proud of. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just quite happy with how how jovial the final product sounds. You'd never be able to guess just how heated it all got. <laughs> no, I, I, you would imagine the Christmas Chronicles 2 would evoke the same levels of arguments, but then again, oh, I do love Ken Russell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm the judge and I'm I might just dive in. If I'm, <laughs> I'm coming if for Kurt Russell, Gav. Now, onto the trial. All of the roles have been picked out of the hat at random. So, acting in defense and trying to get this film placed on the hit list will be me and Ozzy. I've gone for um, Christopher Columbus films here, by the way. Christopher Columbus. Who, is... who picks these films out at random? Because it just seems like every time there's a Kurt it's Russell film, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, randomly picked. Yeah. It, is, it is randomly I think, picked. I think there's just, the, there's only Kurt Russell films in this uh, random <laughs> pick though, do you know what I mean? Like, I think that's... that's no, no, I listen, I randomly pick it, but I just have to keep on randomly picking it until my name comes <laughs> <up>. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, so I've got focus of a Columbus films here, um, who's the director of this film, obviously. So I'm just like Bicentennial Man, but in reverse a man that is slowly <laughs> degenerating and will soon be replaced <laughs> by entirely robotic parts <laughs> Ozzy is just like Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone a naive silk robe wearing boy who was taught all about a new pastime <laughs> by a collection of wise oddities including a gaunt pale guy who everyone thinks is a bit of a knob an old looking man but with a brilliant memory a miserable person with a dry sense of humour and a dishevelled man who looks like he lives in a shed. <laughs> wow. Um, uh, you're the judge, and it, and there's you? more. There's more to come. <laughs> you, you finally managed to get everyone insulted within one insult and then now yeah, you carry brilliant. on insulting people. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Lifelong goal achieved. And acting as prosecution and trying to get this film placed on the shit list will be Joel and Dave. Joel is a bit like Pixels, 50% video games, 50% crude sense of humor. And Dave is just like Mrs. Doubtfire, a lovely and kind person on the outside, but a deceitful and conniving man on the inside who would go to any lengths to get what he wants, as witnessed last week. <laughs> now, just like real court advocates, the defense and prosecution will be making the best case for their roles. Now, these may or may not be their genuine opinions, though, so do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear their real thoughts, which means this week, as alluded to earlier, Alex has the most important role as he'll be playing the judge. And Alex is just like Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. A lot of money and time spent on the subject matter before realizing that nobody actually cares about classical civilizations anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was a toss-up who, who to give that one to, you or Dave, but I uh, went for you in the end <laughs> because at least you had Spanish there as well. Sorry, <laughs> sorry Dave. Uh, now, <laughs> Alex must decide which list this film's... I mean, this is me talking, I <laughs> no, I, but you know what I mean. I didn't, <laughs> want, to, I didn't want to bring that up, Gav, not after... <laughs> I'm glad you did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> now, Alex... Alex must decide which film the list should be placed on. Uh, sorry, which list the film should be placed on. The hit or shit, based solely on the arguments put to him and not using his own opinion, which is good because he hasn't seen the Christmas Chronicles two yet. I say yet because he will watch it, whether he likes it or not. Now, before we get started, I think we should give the listeners a bit of a better understanding as to what the Christmas Chronicles two is all about. So let us spin the wheel of impressions. <laughs> 
I did it twice because it was it was quite low. Right? <laughs> All right, get off my back, I'll see. Right <laughs> now, here what we do is we read off the synopsis of the film in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film. This week, it's landed on Joel. So, how would we like Joel to read out the synopsis? Um, how about one of those Scandinavian elves? In Elfish, <laughs> please. Yeah, Elfish. <laughs> All I could think about, you know, when watching this film was if anyone's seen the office, the American Office episode where Dwight dresses up as Belschnickel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, yeah, you could do that. You could do a New Zealand elf. New Ze- I can't even remember because all the elves sound the same because they're that shit. Except for New Zealand elf, who sounds different. I can't remember. Because he's New got Zealand. a New Zealand accent. Um. Kate Pierce, now a cynical teen, <laughs> is unexpectedly reunited with Santa Claus when a mysterious troublemaker threatens to cancel Christmas forever. Wow. I liked it. Very got good. Career, got a career in TV, I think. <laughs> it was that good as he left. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just realised I didn't have any battery. <laughs> oh, well, uh, thank you very much for that, Joel. That sounds amazing. Um, you sounded just like that old lady who used to run the uh, corner shop in Coronation Street. <laughs> uh, now, without the hesitation, Alex, would you please like to kick off proceedings? Thank you. Yes, I would. Um, well, Christmas Chronicles 2. Uh, main thing is, I know we did Christmas Chronicles 1 uh, a couple of years ago. Um, it's been a while since I've... Um, since that film and I've forgotten it. So I'm going to start with the defence. Let's go straight to Gav, if that's okay. Maybe just give me a quick little run a rundown of Christmas Chronicles 2. Does it follow on from Christmas Chronicles 1? Is it a sequel that was necessary? Why do we have Christmas Chronicles 2, Gav? Do you need a recap of Christmas Chronicles 1? Is that what you have to... Just a very quick one, I think. Yeah, just a little yeah. quick one. Okay, so yeah, Christmas Chronicles 1 was... Uh, you had a brother and sister combo, Kate and Teddy Pierce, they have just recently lost their father and Kate and Teddy. Well, Kate is an eternal optimist. She's what you call a true believer. She believes in Father Christmas. However, Teddy is a moody teenager who's a bit sad that his dad's just died, understandably. And he wants to try and prove that Santa Claus isn't real or that he is real. He wants to capture him in the act. So he sets up a camera to take photos of him coming down the chimney. And then hilarity ensues. All three of them go on an adventure around, in and around Chicago, I think it was, or Boston. Um, I think Santa's sleigh uh, disappears or it needs uh, some energy. His present sack gets taken as well. And there's lots of funny interactions between Santa and genuine people who either don't believe it's Santa Claus or can't believe that it's Santa Claus. Um, and then, you know, hilarity ensues. They finally kind All of... coming back to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really good. Right, so within this one, it does pick up from where the last one left off. It's two years in the future. And now uh, Teddy, the older brother, is more relaxed. And it's actually Kate who is the moody teenager. Now, Kate was a true believer from the last film, but now she's having to endure a sunny Christmas in Cancun. You know, she wants to essentially be in like a nice snowy surroundings, right by the fire, roasted marshmallows and all that. But instead, they're having to celebrate it on a big sunny beach in Mexico. What, With- what a nightmare. She's been <laughs> taken on a holiday to Cancun. What an absolute I know. nightmare. I, know. I was taken to North Wales. I was lucky enough to be taken to North Wales. <laughs> but yeah, God, God help her. Right, well, sorry. What, what, what you wouldn't have had in North Wales, which was 
what Katie had to deal with is their mum's new boyfriend who has whisked them all the way there for a holiday. Now, Katie's having a hard time accepting this new man in her life and also accepting that she now essentially has a stepbrother who is an anxious young lad called Jack who has many phobias. Uh, at the same time, so while all this is going on, avenging expelled elf Belschnickel vows to bring down Santa in the North Pole for good. So he puts Kate and Jack in a perilous situation in which Santa must come and rescue them and then allow Belschnickel to sneak back into Santa's village, steal the Star of Bethlehem and ruin Christmas for everyone. Uh, now, you said, like, uh, do we need this film? What's different about the first film? I think we do need this film. I think it is vastly different from the first one. There's a lot of world building and expanding on the backstory and mythos from the first film. You know, what I hate sometimes with sequels is they just do rinse and repeat. They get what worked well in the first film and they just do a carbon copy, same film, look at Hangover, Hangover Part 2. You know, what this film does, it takes elements that worked really well in the first film but instead of doing the exact carbon copy sequel it instead transports all of the action to the north pole it limits santa's interactions with real people uh, there's a lot more fun to be had exploring this new setting and with all the magic that's there as well and although the first one had this fish out of water type feel to it this one has far the better setting and more exciting and magical sense to it so yeah it just in general this film it's a very very fun story with genuine heart charming characters with believable arcs and it's full of christmas joy what more could you possibly want alex nothing nothing thanks gav that's really uplifted me right ever got someone from the prosecution to tear that down i want it to be torn apart piece by piece dave please i'll uh, i'll sink my teeth in this one <laughs> go for really go for him dave personally go for him <laughs> personally go right for the jugular yeah, i yeah. said be- i said before i warned gav i said yeah i'm going i'm going for kurt russell gonna hit him right Ooh. where it hurts Ooh. right in the goldie horns don't hurt russell i've got to say if you don't remember christmas chronicles one you might be in a spot of bother with this it although it is a different film and it does kind of like take off with the same characters it does kind of presume that you're going to remember Christmas Chronicles 1 and, and remember what happened with it. That's the problem with seasonal films. Chances are no one's looked at it since last year at best. So I think it is very presumptive just to kind of drop you in the middle, kind of get you to remember the family unit, remember what all the little quirks of the kids were and where they've moved on to now. Now, Teddy's not in this one as much. I'd say he's got maybe five, ten minutes. So you don't really need to remember his character too well, but you've got to kind of remember Kate's character arc, where she left the film and now where she is, which is a complete polar opposite to how we left her last time. Now, um, essentially, it's the interactions with the genuine people, which Gav said is missing from this film. They've left that bit out. I think that was the most charming part of Christmas Chronicles 1. I thought that was what really sold it. It's, it always is. That's why Miracle on 34th Street was such a, a delight because Santa's interaction with regular people that don't believe he's Santa, maybe some people are convinced by the end of it. That is the charm about having these kind of like fish out of water films with Santa in the lead. You know, there's kind of people, is he real? Is he not? Who are the true believers? Who are not? It doesn't really matter when he's surrounded by elves in the North Pole. There's no true believer. You know, any elf that doesn't believe in Santa at that point, I think is, uh, is got a little bit beyond the point of helping. <laughs> Um, and I don't think the character arcs are plausible I think the big one that that stands out for me is um, Belsniff what's the name 
<laughs> you know it's up, they'll stick. You know it's up, they'll stick. I'm going to allow it. I'm going to allow it. Objection. Bellsprout. It was funny. I'm going to allow it. Bellsprout, whatever his name is. Bell Pepper. Bell Pepper. <laughs> I don't believe his character arc is at all believable. And he is essentially uh, your antagonist. I don't want to say bad guy because he's just kind of like a flawed hero. But he's, uh, he's your antagonist of the film. And it's just very implausible. He basically he was an elf that got turned into a human being because he was a bit of a dick to the other elves. He played pranks on them. And he like wrote his name on Santa's sleigh, and that was like breaking the elf code, so he got turned human. Um, now, already you were thinking there was something off about this elf anyway, because he's the only one who doesn't actually speak in an elvish voice. He speaks with an Australian accent to suit the actor that they then got to play, uh, Bell Snickel. Sorry? New Zealand, Kiwi accent. Oh, New Zealand, sorry, thank you. New Zealand accent. It sounded Aussie to me, but what do I know? New Zealand accent. It's uh, Julian Dennison who plays Bell Snickle, by the way. Um, Hunt for the Wilder People, I think he was in. Uh, Deadpool 2. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and yeah, it's very implausible that A, that would be enough to turn him human. Um, it's very implausible to me that he would then go on this kind of crusade to bring down Santa, which is what the film hinges on. And it's then also equally implausible that he sees the error of his ways for no discernible reason and then gets welcomed back into the fold as Santa's favorite elf by the end of the film. It's just, it's very implausible. It doesn't really make sense. It's all kind of hashed together and kind of contrived. Gav will tell you this film has a lot of charm to it, you know, and it's it's taken the bits that worked from the first film. I think it's just rehashed them. The musical number, you know, the shoehorned in another musical number like they did in the first one, lacking the charm of the first one. And I think they've left a lot of the things that made the first one work, that made it a reasonable hit for Netflix. And when you've got a bigger budget on, on display, when you've got so many more things that are hinging on this, also the delight of seeing Kurt Russell and Goldie Horn on screen together for the first time since Overboard. That's a huge selling point for this film. Yeah. And it, it, it's a huge letdown, to be honest with you. They Ooh. just seem very stilted with each other. And, you know, Goldie Horn is wasted in this role, to be perfectly honest with you. She's a, a side note. And think of how much of the marketing she is in. It is a real side note to have Goldie Horn in it, and she deserves she, better than this. Is she not a main character, really, in it? She is supposedly a main character, but it's just she's not really given anything worthwhile to do. She's nursing a reindeer for most of the film. So there's not really anything like, important. <laughs> not quite. <laughs> nursing it back to help after it's mauled by, by a Yule cat. Okay. And a Yule cat is essentially a snow leopard, but, you know, if it was made out of bad CGI. <laughs> so it's... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I'm going to stop with the snipes wow. on this one. Now, but I've got to say, it's not as charming as Gav will have you believe. You really went to the Kurt Russell right at the end, and I, and I, respect, <laughs> I respect that quite a lot, Dave. Um, Gav, I can see you got your fingers up. One thing I would like you, Dave, saying that the most charming part of this film, of the first film, is gone. Well, possibly one of the reasons why you'd want to watch this second film is because of all that lovely interaction he had with the real world. Doesn't sound like that's going on. What's it being replaced with, Gav? What is the charm? To, to, firstly, can I just say, Dave is chatting so much shit. <laughs> now, now, now. I won't have this sort of talk. <laughs> on my, uh... How dare you? How dare you say that about Goldie Horn? I'm this close to losing it. Right, she now. was wasted? <laughs> <laughs> no, right. Um, so I, I, I completely disagree. I completely disagree. Now, the, one of the good things about this um, 
you said that one of the most charming elements was the interactions with humans. Like, I, I completely disagree with this. What I think the first film lacked was a villain. There was no villain at all in that film. It was just like Santa just trying to get on his way home. With this, you've actually got a credible villain. So you've got, like, Dave, like, when he was mentioning that it was like, oh, he's just a bit of a knob. He's doing a bit of a graffiti and then he decides to turn against Santa. That's not true. As the film goes on, you find out that, you know, this is this is a, a former elf who feels disenfranchised by Santa because he's constantly showering affection and attention onto humans. Belsnickel becomes bitter because of this, because when it started, when they first started, because you learn a little bit about Santa's backstory, it's the two of them. He's the lead elf and they're working like very hands-on creating these really beautiful intricate presents and then as the operation grows and he tries to satisfy and you know um give presents to more and more children across the world uh, the obviously the operation grows so he has more elves working and then more sort of like mass manufactured stuff and he stops having that one-to-one work and friendship with Belsnickel. So he becomes more disenfranchised, becomes bitter, angry. And there are like, I think it's five steps to losing your elfhood essentially. And one of them is being a knob to other elves and one of them, you know, and after (laughs) he finally, um, like he reaches the point where there's no turning back he forgets what it is to be an elf and he's turned into what he hates the most, which is a human. So then he becomes really bitter and angry. He takes vengeance on Santa and he vows to ruin Christmas for everyone. And, you know, I, I think he's a very, very well thought out, clear and defined villain, which is what the first one completely lacked. You said, what has this film got? I What I mentioned before, the world building, the building of the backstory and the mythos, the original film skimmed over completely who Santa was and where he got his powers from. And, you know, it was treated as a given for the majority of the audience. Oh, we know who this is. We won't bother going into any detail here. We really delve into the backstory of Santa, taking real-life origins of St. Nicholas, a 4th century bishop who liked leaving presents on people's doorsteps. And then there's lots of fun storytale elements as well, like the creation of Santa's village, to the origins of the elves being persecuted and hunted to near extinction, and then Santa rescues them and he brings them to the village. Then the origins of the elves, um, oh yes, sorry, I've said that, even like the MacGuffin, in the film is really interesting. Sometimes a MacGuffin in a film can just be really pointless and it's just there to progress the story. With this, once again, this is very interesting. It's about having the Star of Bethlehem contained within an infinity gauntlet-like casing, which then powers, (laughs) I know it sounds hilarious, but it it then powers Santa's village. Um, And once that has been destroyed, part of the plot is to track down the makers and then rebuild a new version. And then on top of that, Belsnickel releases Elfsbane into Santa's village, which is almost like catnip for elves. So not only is the star broken, but the elves are manic and disruptive. So the second part of the story is about finding a cure for that as well. So you've got two really interesting parts of the story in this really fantastic and magical setting, which is completely far removed from that fish out of water. Oh, here's Santa interacting with normal people, which we've seen time and time again in so many different Christmas films. You know what? That's a that's a great point to end on. That is true. Actually, we have we have seen that quite a lot. Um, Joel, I can see you putting your uh, hand up there. Um, uh, yeah. So just briefly, uh, I do want to move on to some other stuff, but I think that this film, just overall, is just very confused. There's just lots of little bits in it which are kind of like, you know, what what is that? It's like a kind of cross between like a, a stupid kid's film, like there's loads of elves and they've all got really high-pitched voices. They're really terrible in terms of CGI. But then there's just some really weird bits mixed in, like the two kids 
that get transported to the North Pole, Santa finds them frozen, like to death. They're, they're literally <laughs> like two kids lying in the North Pole, completely blue, frozen. And, uh, you know, Goldie Hawn, Mrs. Claus, has to like do some magic and revive them later on. And then there's like a bit where like a snow leopard or whatever it is, like a some say a yule cat. cat. A yule yule cat. cat. Like fucking Remember that comes balls, in the one of the reindeers. And it's like, you know what? Who is this for? It like mauls. kids are watching. It mauls. It, not, not, not just any reindeer. reindeer. And you see a reindeer like on the floor, like lifeless. It's like, who is this for? A kid's watching a reindeer get mauled to death <laughs> and two other kids dying of, you know, being frozen in the South Pole. They don't Pole, die. Pole, right? the they are, they literally are dead. They are lifeless bodies in the snow. And then they get revived later on. There's just really weird mixes. And then there's like this bit where Belschnickel and Santa Claus like destroy the, the star that Gav mentioned, like the North Star. And that blows up and, and like, Kurt Russell, Santa Claus goes like, oh, this is really bad. But it's not that bad because he just goes and makes another one straight after it gets destroyed. <laughs> so it just completely, you know, just almost underlines the plot of like this whole thing is pointless. So the MacGuffin isn't as important as you were like exactly. to believe. And then um, you have this uh, kind of two hour plot as well. And it's just really, really slow. I feel like if it was condensed down to maybe like an hour 20 an hour 25 like it just be it just be a so lot better too. but there's there's a lot of just unnecessary stuff in there um so yeah i would just say that it's a really strange mix of things like i, I just think it's really really confused in terms of what they were trying to achieve with this film like it, it's that old catch 22 thing of they might have marketed it for kids the adults are meant to enjoy as well kind of like pixar do but in yeah. doing that they've kind of like fucked it for kids and fucked it for the adults so <laughs> wow. i just don't think it's 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 for anybody at the moment ozzy uh joel's uh, given some pretty convincing arguments that i mean you would think the intention of this film would to make people feel christmasy right christmas chronicles too from what joel's saying it it's not making me feel christmasy is, is he wrong uh, i think he's i think it's very wrong in actual fact and this thing about the the, the the MacGuffin being completely pointless because he can just make another one that's part of the journey is that the whole point is that he realizes that actually it doesn't matter about that star. We can create a new star because we know what the meaning of Christmas is. We know the entire point of it. That's the journey that you're going on. So I don't think that's, uh, yeah, you know, in layman's terms, if you just think about the fact that, oh, he's got the, he's, he's destroyed the star and I can just make a new one, then yeah, of course, that's the point. But that's not the story. You know, that's a simplified version of the plot. It's, um, I, I think it's a great. I, I felt pretty Christmassy, and you know, and if you watched the two of them back to back, which I didn't, but you could have done, it would. Uh, <laughs> 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 what would I imagine if you did? Uh, what would I, I feel? What would? What do you imagine I would feel? <laughs> I think it would be. Uh, I, I think you'd have. It's a. I think it's a really good franchise. I think it's the makings of a proper good pr- franchise. Netflix have pulled it out of the bag with this. This is really for me. This is saving Christmas. This. Um, Christmas lights coming on earlier than December the 1st and um, I genuinely feel quite Christmassy at the moment you can see behind me I've got all the lights up and this is all thanks to Christmas Chronicles mate like this would have been done on the 12th of December if it wasn't for that I um, I genuinely enjoyed it thought it was great and I loved the um, throwbacks to all different um, there's loads of little takes so Belsnickel is around you know he's a traditional Christmas um, uh, uh, baddie from um from like a scandinavian uh background the yule cat is from a different uh 
part of different European folklores. It's like there's loads of there's a lot of research been been done in this actually to build up these uh, these stories. And I just thought it was quite it was a lot deeper than than you'd give it credit for. You know, can, when you compare it to the first one, which was great, it was lighthearted and it was fun. Whereas this, yeah, this is a little darker but still fun. You know, the baddie is still fun. You know, we got you know you know that that um, that actor plays a similar sort of role in, in, in each film and it's 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 very much that New Zealand Taika Waititi type uh humor um and the way he's playing you know he does a lot of expo- expository um talking when he's just on his own at first you think why, why is he doing that but it's because it's for kids and it's to develop this character he's a he's a lonely elf who doesn't want to be an elf you know and I, I thought it was I felt pretty Christmassy to be honest with you it was it's colorful it's um it's, it's a Christmas action film, you know, the same as the first one. I don't know what you can, I don't know what you don't want about that. You know, gingerbread men as bombs. It's it's perfect. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, I think I've heard. You know, I'm, I'm I've got a lot about the story now. Uh, I'd like to come on to performances if that's okay. There are children involved. I mean, that's always sometimes a bit of a danger. You know, remember Artemis Fowl. Um, Joel, I can see you. You're hot to trot on this one. Um, what are the performances yeah, just wanted to like? get my points in straight away. To be honest, Even Is, are they about? I'd, I'd like you to really, really go for Kurt and Goldie. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I'm going to leave Kurt and Goldie to Dave because I sure, think he, sure, he really wanted to go, like, <laughs> you know, right to the tip on, on, on Goldie and Kurt. Um, but I want to talk about the the other actors, which are the kids. So, Belschnickel is played by. Um, I think his name was like Firefist or something in, in Deadpool 2. You know, the kid who uh, is pretty much going to kill everyone. Mm. Um, Julian Dennison. Ju- Julian Dennison, yeah. Uh, he was absolutely terrible, like extremely bad, like to the point where you just want to close your eyes and put your fingers in your ears. Like it, it just was a, a shit show from start to finish. <laughs> there's, there's another kid who... Um, I've just got it. I've got it on the DVD. Films on trial. <laughs> uh, there's there's another little kid. Um, I've never seen him in anything before, but from looking at his IMBD, he's in the new Witches film as well. Jazia uh, Bruno. Um, so he's a little kid who's, who's new in this one. Um, again, you know, it's not like I take pleasure in in uh, Picking on the the kids, especially. Sounds like you are taking a lot of pleasure, to be honest. But he was also (laughs) terrible. Like sometimes you could see him, like almost looking around as if you know he was waiting for some prompt or. Um, you know, there's a lot of CGI in this film, and sometimes he's looking at CGI, and you can tell that he's almost like not looking at it. Um, like there's bits where he's looking through the windows in Santa's workshops, and he's just like got this massive smile on his face, like as if like you know he's pissed. Or something like that. It, it it's really bad. And then I actually thought in the first one, uh, the the little girl who uh, plays Kate, she was probably the worst thing about the first one. So imagine my dismay when she's got an even bigger part in the second one, and the boy is uh, you know relegated to to pretty much a, a big part role. Uh, yeah, she is also terrible. Again. Um, so, like all of the kids in this film, are absolutely sensationally terrible. Um, so, I'll pass it over to Dave now to talk about uh, Kurt and yeah, wow, wow, uh, 
F- I, mean, that was, I mean, that was devastating. That, that was, was pretty brutal. Those little <laughs> that, kids. Was, that, was, that was really devastating stuff, oh. Joel. I mean, thank um, God our podcast is marked explicit, otherwise big four little kids might stumble yeah. over this one. Um, yeah, do you ever get the feeling Kurt Russell's a little overrated? I'm not going to lay into Kurt Russell's career. He's got a spectacular career. And he's a wonderful actor. But no, in all seriousness now, Kurt Russell in this film. Now, he was the Santa we never realized we wanted in mm. Christmas Chronicles 1. It's like, he kind of grabs your attention. It's like, Kurt Russell the Santa. It's like, you have my interest. I'm intrigued. And I think that intrigue led a lot of people to watch Christmas Chronicles 1. And it was actually kind of a moment of, okay, Kurt Russell can do this. He's kind of a more cantankerous Santa than we're used to. Got a bit more attitude to him. He's a bit grumpier, but he's still, you know, heart of gold. And he's a bit of a badass at the same time, you know, as, as nothing <laughs> less would you expect from Kurt Russell. But in this one, I do feel he's given kind of a side seat to the kids. The kids are kind of pushed to the forefront. And as Joel's just explained about those kids' performances, that's not necessarily the best move. People have turned up to see Kurt Russell. He is the star of this. He is Santa. Mm. And I do feel that he's just kind of got relegated, you know, while, while yeah, there's this bit where they go back to the 80s just for like 10 minutes or so mostly like for the time sake travel or flashback. yeah yeah mostly for the sake of a musical number to, to get the, that musical number shoehorned in um but while um kate and santa go back to the 80s kate runs into her dad who is around about the same age as she is at that point they have a run-in uh, well not a run-in that sounds like they fight um they, they become friends <laughs> in, the, in the 80s that, that, that <laughs> would <laughs> honestly right there put it on the hit list he I mean, goes back and has a fight with the dad. Fight with the dad. Kate accidentally kills her dad and then fades away. And he's like, "Santa, what have I, I mean, done?" Gold, but it got dark. I didn't realize it was. No, nothing like that. She becomes friends with her dad back when they were kids of a similar age back in the eighties. Um, meanwhile, Santa is kind of like just stood around waiting for her to get him some double A batteries, so they can go back to the present. And it's just kind of like we could have seen much more from Santa. Also, in that scene where she's kind of like taken to the uh, the office for lost children, how full is that office? <laughs> There's literally like two dozen kids that must have gone missing on Christmas Eve in this one airport. <laughs> I, that's a side note, anyway. That's just a matter of interest. <laughs> well, then I was like, what on earth happened here? But and also throughout the film, you got you got this huge section which focuses on Jack trying to get this. Is it a root or something? He's got to get a plant so they can heal Dasher, and it's focusing on him. I mentioned before that, that Goldie Horn is very much um, put to one side in this as well. And I just feel that, you know, we were excited to see Kurt Russell and Goldie Horn sharing the screen again for the first time since Overboard. This should have been a momentous moment. And instead, they're just kind of left in this sort of chintzy, kind of gimmicky sort of scripts where they're not really given much chance to play off one another. They're really just the only chance of interaction they get is like with one of the kids. There's no scenes with them. And that could have been real magic. That really could have been like something special. That could have been what people wanted to see. It's not that, you know, that what we get of them is necessarily bad, in all fairness to Goldie Horn and Kurt Russell. But it could have been so much more. This was an opportunity missed to have this. One of Hollywood's golden couples sharing the screen again for the first time in 30 years. And this is what we were reduced to. I mean, Virtually no screen time for the two of them. That would have been a draw for me. You know, especially because at the end, when they had Christmas Chronicles 2, I was like, my first thought was, will Goldie Horn be in it? And will they make a big deal of it? And definitely from a trailer, that's yeah. what the person who made the trailer seemed to think as well. So Gav, did they sell their biggest draw in this film? Yes, they did. Right. Firstly, I'd just like to say that this is 
this film is more aimed for kids. So Christopher Columbus, who was the producer of the last film, has come on board now as full writer and director as well. So Christopher Columbus, you will know, uh, director and writer, uh, sorry, uh, director of Home Alone, Home Alone Two, um, and all the other films I just mentioned before. Uh, now he has steered this more towards um, children. There's a lot more, you know, these fantastical elements, lots of CGI elves and silly slapstick comedy. But overall, it's still a family film. It's a film that I've spoken to all of my team members on on our chat this morning uh, who said that they watched it over the weekend with their kids and they enjoyed it as well. Dave, I think it's been a bit harsh there. First, I'm just going to gloss over what Joel said for a minute and come back to that. Because <laughs> if Dave was a bit harsh, Joel was like a fucking atom bomb dropping on those children's <laughs> poor careers. Right? <laughs> Santa is, you know, he's all those things that Dave said, but he's so much more as well. You know, he's, he's fun, he's lovable, and he's cool as well. And the thing is, is you can tell Kurt Russell just as in the first one is having an absolute blast playing him. So much so that I read an interview with him he said he wrote a 200 page backstory for Santa uh, and he also didn't just stop at the acting and the writing he also had a hand in costuming wardrobe makeup he had he wanted to just get so involved with this as did Goldie Sorry, Hall as well can I ask a quick question I mean <laughs> I'm on I, 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 <laughs> for I his own I version of Santa not the real Santa I absolutely love uh, this film I'm totally on Gav's side with this, but I can't imagine having to write an additional 200 pages <laughs> of Santa Claus history, you know, disguised <laughs> yeah. around since forever. Yeah, no, I know. He wasn't forced to lot, do it. It? it was like Christopher Columbus put a gun to his head and said, no, write me, write me your backstory. He did it in his spare time of all the adventures that his Santa had been on and, you know, like to, just to kind of help him with his character. Sounds like he's losing his shit. I know. Honest, <laughs> <laughs> completely. So he wrote a 200-page fan fiction about Santa's adventures. You know, about, about his backstory. Uh, anyway, we're, we're, getting off, we're getting off topic. We're getting off topic. <laughs> well, I mean, here. you brought the two hundred page. All right, gonna, <laughs> right. We're getting off topic. Put a pin in right. That, sorry. Right. So, like, the thing is, is that he never phones in his performance. No matter. So, this film is a little bit more sillier than the last film because it's more focused on kids. Now, you know, getting into um, mystical fights with elves. Uh, you know, that could be a bit silly you know he could be like oh this is beneath me but not once does he phone in the performance he looks like he's having the absolute time of his life and it's not just him but it's Goldie Horn as well here is Mrs. Claus I don't know how you can say that she's relegated to the back she really shines here for me now I can think I, I can't actually I can't think of any maybe well maybe there's some but I can't think of many films where Mrs. Claus has been such a pivotal figure now she's usually like background dressing and she doesn't really have much of an impact on the film here she is shown as having a real driving force in santa's village so much so that they actually are considering changing the name to mrs claus's village because the running joke of the film is that she does a lot of the work and then santa ends up taking all the credit for it uh, now she's vital to the storyline getting involved in as much of the plot or action as santa himself and similarly to kate russell she looks like she's having an absolute blast playing him you know I, once again i watched the the same interview here and Kate Russell and we're talking just about how much fun they had doing this and how they want to keep on going in almost like a television series of films released one every two years which to be honest I would be on board with going on to the kids Charles very very mean for no reason Darby Camp who plays Kate is very charming and engaging Josiah Bruno who plays Jack very enthusiastic and fun 
the thing is, is that like enthusiastic. Yeah. I say that all the time. I know what happens. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I mean, the, the thing is, is that he's, he's a young child. He's, he's not like you know. You're not going to see yeah. Christian Bale so he's the here. The guy who played Artemis Fowl, but he. <laughs> Yeah. Was there any redeeming factors there? <laughs> no, this kid is a hell of a lot better than the guy who did all this foul. Apologies sure. to that kid. Uh, but no, right. The thing is, I'd is say that... he was about 10 times better. Yeah. 12 times better, maybe Ooh. 12 days ago. 10 times zero, still zero, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> salty, salty comments. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, this kid's. Um, he, he, he's good, you know, but uh, you're not going to get like a Leonardo DiCaprio performance from an eight-year-old kid. <laughs> and oh, the thing is, what's it in Gilbert Grape? You can't <laughs> get apart from, <laughs> from Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> but we all know he was 11 then. So right, <laughs> give this kid, give this kid three more years, and he'll be belting them out. Um, <laughs> now, um, right, it's true that the kids take more center stage than Santa and Goldie Horn. But I don't think that's a bad thing at all. They, they've got really great character arcs. The first part of uh, the story, which is, you know, like trying to recreate this star of Bethlehem, um, which Santa and Kate go on that part of the journey, they time travel back to 1990 and they end up in Boston Airport. And there's a really good throwback to Home Alone directed by Christopher Columbus, where there's a lady who's dressed exactly the same in the exact same costume and the exact same hair as Catherine O'Hara's character in Home Alone, saying that she needs to get back to Chicago to see her son and all the flights have been cancelled. So it's obviously a nod to Home Alone. Probably they couldn't get the actual rights to mention the character's name or get Catherine O'Hara back to play it. But it was a very good nod. And when Dave is saying that the kids is shooed off into the lost property children section of the airport and that Santa doesn't do anything, Santa notices that at this particular time, all of the flights have been cancelled. Everybody's up in arms. Everybody's really upset and angry that essentially Christmas has been cancelled for him. So what does he do? He spreads a little Christmas cheese so that's right he starts a song and dance and it's a good laugh and then at the same time you've got Kate who goes through this really sort of like big progression because she actually has a conversation with her father who she and, and then she finally essentially learns to accept the change that's happening within her family and learn that Christmas isn't about where you are but who you're with and then oh. the second story which is about Jack where he's got to find this this cure for the uh, for the, the elves, the cure for Wolfsbane, it has him facing his fears. I said before that he had loads of different phobias. Uh, so he has to climb a mountain to retrieve this cure for the Elfsbane. And he does it, you know, like it, he is told by Mrs. Claus beforehand, eat this cookie and it'll give you courage. And then you find out that the cookie didn't actually do anything. It was just a normal Batman, cookie. You're, you're throwing a lot of meat. He's climbing a mountain, there's, there's Elfsbane, there's, co- there's magic there cookies. Are, and that's, 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 I wanted that's to mention that. But that's I wanted to mention that magic cookie because as soon as that came out, she was like, this cookie, if you eat it, will give you courage. And it's like, the cookie does nothing. Courage is within you all along. Gotcha. It's for children. <laughs> it's for children. <laughs> what are you expecting? Like you've, a, learned, like, you've learned uh, that lesson already, Dave, haven't you? <laughs> Young age. It turned out yeah. cynicism was within me all along. Yeah, so what it should have started with is uh, Mrs. Claus on her deathbed and she drops a cookie on the floor and says... <laughs> Elf Spain, and then we've got to realize <laughs> what the hell it was. <laughs> All right. Uh, look, Ozzy, I want to bring you in here. Can you, like, where, where are you mainly, partly? I, I want to believe Gav, but I know he's... Yeah, you know, well, you know what he's like. He's not like. the most objective person when it comes to Kurt Russell and Goldie Horn, <laughs> right? And, and so he's, his eyes are shining, and I want to believe him. But, you know, where do you stand? And also, the, kid, the child actors, are, are they... I mean, are, are, they, are they as Joel described? 
Um, not quite. They're not quite as Joel described, right? So, so yes, the uh, the eight year old kid. He's not great, but he's not, you know, but he's not really. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. This is a film for kids, you know, and that's that's a relatable kid behaving the way kids behave. I've watched a lot of uh, children's TV over lockdown 2.0, and um, <laughs> why? That's a, it's got, got Disney, and I've watched almost everything else. So I'm just at the uh, <laughs> the, the trail end of Disney shows, and uh, and that's that's how how kids act. That's that is acting. So that whether that's you know that's clearly relatable to children. So. I didn't. It didn't feel out of place for me in the slightest because of that. I think if I'd not been, you know, subjecting myself to a lot of kids' films uh, over the last sort of three, four weeks, um, maybe then I'd have been like, oh, "Yeah, it's a bit shit." But um, you don't, you don't notice it. If if I think if I was a kid and I was watching it, it wouldn't be a problem because that's exactly what I'd expect kids to act like. That's how hammy children actors are. You know, they, they they're not quite in place. They're not quite uh, in the zone. And but it's totally taken away. It doesn't really matter because you're watching a pretty impressive Christmas action fest. You know, it's it's not for uh, adults in in some sense. It's over the top. It's fast. You know, there's so many things going on in your head, Gav, and you know everyone's brought up all of these different plot points, all of these different set pieces. There's just shitloads going on, and it's uh, and it, I, I think it works in this instance because it is just over the top and manic. You know, it's meant for just the outrageous stuff because they didn't do the Father Christmas in, uh, you know, in, in the real world to get those reactions this time around. You've got, you know, you've got to have something else. And so, so in this sense, you've got a real baddie. You've got, you know, real danger, which I think kind of works. You know, there's some surprises. It's a little bit scary, not from a, like, not for us, but I think if you're as a kid, there's some real jeopardy. Uh, and yeah, and of course, if you're 33 years old, you're going to know exactly what the cookie's for. But <laughs> if you were 13 years old, maybe, maybe not so much. If you were eight years old, definitely not. So I, I, I uh, you know, completely, completely in Gav's camp, not even just because we happen to be on the same side this time. I'm very much on Gav's side. Yeah. And, and just a quick thing, Kurt and Goldie sidelined? Uh, no. You know what? Yes, you could have had a little bit more of her, but... You know, the, you don't know. I think she she plays a big role anyway. And like Gab says, you know, the the bits when she is in there as well, she's a big presence. And you know, she she steals the scene when the kids first come in and they're talking about the renaming it to Santa Claus. She's funny. She's you know, she's got real presence as we all know. And um, I don't I don't think you needed any more. It was fine. Okay. Uh, look, guys, I'm feeling pretty happy with, with what I've got at the moment. Um, Gav? Gav, so, whenever you a... say a small point, <laughs> like 10 minutes later. No, 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 no. It's just a question. It's just a question. I just want to ask Dave what he thought about Darlene Love in the film. Um, yeah, uh, Darlene Love was in this film. <laughs> <laughs> Darlene Love, uh, you know, um, rock and roll Hall of Famer uh, singer appears as the... Um, person behind the, the counter in the airport that ends up singing with um, Kurt, Kurt mm-hmm. Russell's Santa. I'll tell you what, if that musical number, number had just been Darling Love and not Kurt Russell, then we, we could have been on the <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you. That was a fantastic <laughs> number. That was a fantastic like, number. Uh, they start, they go like, wait, just a minute. And what do you think comes after that? And then they just fucking make up some random ass song and it's just terrible. <laughs> 
It's not a random uh, ass song. <laughs> I have to say, Joel always has a very, he has a way with words. And I have to say, shit show from start to finish. Is <laughs> yeah, <it's>, <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? It just gets imprinted in your brain. And it's like, it's really hard not to see that, those words. It's hard to the, escape, isn't it? I just yeah, with the quotes quick. and the exclamation mark at the end on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I've got a picture next to him as well. I've got a picture of Joel's picture, just like, I just want to say may I just say final point quickly please I just want to say this is a very cliche ridden film and I appreciate what Austin and Gav were saying about you know this is for kids these kids might not have seen these cliches before but as an adult watching it and knowing that this has come from Christopher Columbus who is a fantastic director made a lot of uh, kids films over the years uh, made a lot of Christmas films over the years as well he should know better than to riddle it with cliches like this you know you've got and it's there's this one bit, the catnip for elves that Gav mentioned, where the elves are spiked with Elfsbane. Yeah. Um, so they act a bit wild, you know, they chase, they fight with each other. They're just like raucous kids that have had too much sugar. And what do they do? They play the Song of Rebellion, Baha Men, Who Let the Dogs Out? Mm. And that is a big part of this. So right, it's, yeah. it's like, you know, that, that's Christopher Columbus with his finger on the pulse of what kids want to see these days. That song came out 20 years ago. <laughs> I don't know who was there in that focus group who said, you know what kids love? They love Baja men who let the dogs out. And it's like the kids who were born when that song came out are 20 now. It's, I do not think that that is the case. Kids still love that song. That's, yeah. that, it's just but, something uh, repetitive. It, it works. It's it, like you see it in so many kids' films at the moment. It was that in, song just pops out. Well, I was in genuinely. It, yeah, it, yeah, I was in the Minions, yeah. It's very hard to know what kids like because kids don't. I think this is what most, a lot of people try and put the finger on and try and figure that out all the time. They just seem to make it up as they go along. They seem to like things like one day and then the next. Like if if you if because someone could figure out a formula for what kids actually like, then you know what I mean. People could make Disney, mate. Disney have got it. Yeah. yeah. Well, they should give it it to Christopher Columbus. They said Christopher Columbus knows that kids will love CGI elves doing a beatboxing and you know just spinning on their backs and throwing yeah, yeah you know just having a wild these time. These elves are everything that the elves in Artemis Fowl should have been. Exactly. <laughs> well, do we have a police force these elves with you know a, a, you know what they should have had a police force then you wouldn't have had to worry about Belsninkle uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you, know you know what Bell, Bell 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 I, I, I forgot that there were elves in Artemis Fowl <laughs> <laughs> oh man you, you, you've been doing a good work you've been trying to forget it all but yeah, it's, it's I completely back. forgot that right Guys, I feel like that. Now we're talking about back to Artemis Fowl. I'm yeah. very happy. Um, no one got any more points? No? Great. Can I have a quiz, please, while I deliberate, Ozzy? Yeah, of course you can, right? So um, this uh, was originally going to be very much focused on Christmas Chronicles. And, uh, and I was thinking about how to tie in some you know, recent events. I really wanted to sign off with um, you know, sections from Boris's latest speech. But... Instead, <laughs> I, uh, I've really focused in on the Yule Cat. And it, re- it genuinely, uh, I wanted to know how much of what was actually in the film was based on real folklore and whatnot. So um, this, this Yule Cat, because I thought it was just a snow leopard. I was like, oh, yeah, well, let's give it, a, give it a funny name. You know, suddenly it's Christmassy. But no, it turns out there's loads and loads of Christmas traditions all around the world that are all pretty similar. And in some cases, completely completely off the wall 
So the Yule Cat is from Iceland and it's owned by a troll who uh, comes down and eats uh, naughty kids basically wow. at Christmas. So be good, otherwise you get eaten by this troll. The Scandies, they... they, they yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? They, they don't Even their myths are like yeah, dark and like... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in fact, the Yule, the Yule Cat itself, can anyone tell me what the Yule Cat does? Like eat moles. He eats reindeer. No, the Yule Cat will eat anyone who hasn't been given new clothes before Christmas Day. <laughs> uh, that seems a and bit was, harsh. Yeah, yeah. And it, was, and it was used by farmers to scare the people to uh, to yeah. work harder, so that they'd um, they'd you know trim the trim the animals, get the get the wool out. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to focus on Iceland because this is mental. So the next thing I found out about Christmas, are the Yule lads, and that just straight away, I was like, five lads from Liverpool let's talk about the Yule lads from Iceland okay so I'm going to tell you the name of the English translation of the of the name and you've got to try and tell me what you think they do so okay, okay. yeah 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 so the first one is Sheepcoat Clod and he arrives on the 12th of December what does Sheepcoat Clod do I mean it it's going to be messed up isn't Anyone? it it's going to be something in. wacky isn't it something pointless does he like yeah. Uh, molest sheep or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one yeah, that's to one Oh my crap! <laughs> <laughs> he, he harasses sheep, but he is impaired because he's got peg legs. So just, just know, the naughty sheep or all yeah, peg yeah. leg sheep molester. All, all sheep. Yeah. What about Gully Gork? He comes on the thirteenth of December. Gully um, Gork. He anyone plugs up people's keyholes so they can't get into the house. No, close, but not quite. <laughs> I can't even guess. Beats and mugs defenseless children. I don't like. Yeah, uh, no, this guy sneaks into the cow shed and steals milk. Uh, <laughs> okay. What about Stubby? He comes on the 14th of December. Uh, does, he, does he remove the keystone from bridges so they collapse when people try and take the car? So... <laughs> no. Has he just yeah. got like two stubs for legs? <laughs> He does have two stubs for legs. He's incredibly short. And he oh just, my Christ! Are you Icelandic, Joel? <laughs> and he and he just eats Maybe the yeah, leftovers of your pans. If you leave any leftovers in your pans between the fourteenth and twenty seventh of December, he'll eat them. Stubby. So uh, I don't think that's yeah, yeah. that's a bad. I mean, like people coming in and stealing your cow's milk. Yeah, okay. People coming in and bothering your sheep. I get it. But somebody yeah. coming in and eating your leftovers. It's like a raccoon, or you know, <laughs> like, helpful. Yeah, or a fox. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Producing food waste. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How about this one? This one might. This one might trick you. Spoon liquor. Comes I on do, the fifteenth of December. He likes what do you this this guy no this guy licks wooden spoons and he's uh, he's malnourished so he's incredibly thin. <laughs> so maybe like he's a Yeah, maybe, maybe Stubby should give him some of the leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> and now there's a little bit of a from this point onwards. There's a little bit of a theme. What about pot scraper? What do you think pot scraper does? Um, Scrapes pots. I mean, these are, these all sound like <laughs> yeah, these all sound like rejected names of Bond villains from the eighties. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna throw out a few, and until we get to one which uh, maybe, maybe you don't know, or you've got to try and describe a little bit of it. But on uh, so on the sixteenth of December, seventeenth, sorry, we have bowl liquor. What does this guy do? Bowl bowl liquor. Are we saying? Yeah, um, he licks, licks bowls. Yeah, he does, but where where do you think he might rob the bowl from? This is a very specific... The bowling green. 
He hides under your bed and he waits for you to put your bowl on the floor and then he'll rob the bowl. Oh, but so only just, a bowl. So you're sleeping on that scene in Luther. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but, but he's only a bowl if he's got a lid. He's very specific. So he'll just, he'll just be under your bed, like licking your bowl while you're yeah. sleeping. He's very picky for a man that licks bowls, isn't he? But, but like it's under a, the bed, he's not licking it. But so, <laughs> like a chamber pot. <laughs> that's a bowl you keep under your bed, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And that's when bowl liquor never came back. Are you, are you, sure, are you sure you read it right, Ozzy? Are you sure it's a bowl liquor? <laughs> Maybe. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna nip down just to the 24th of December. There is a the guy who um, follows kids. He uh, when he steals their candles. What do you think he might be called? Ozzy. Saint Nick. <laughs> the, the can- he what? He, he follows kids and he steals their candles. Yeah. The candle He's, candle thief. The kid the can- follower candles. The candle stealer. The candle stealer, correct. All right. Yeah. And I'm going to um, quickly drop back to uh, the last one for a bit of a fast and furious uh, round on this one, okay? What is the... Um, what is the only Christmas song to have been played from uh, astronauts in space? The first Christmas song to be played back from oh, the astronauts uh, in space. Jingle bells. Correct. Well done. Um, what is the? Uh, just because we try and play it back to films a little bit here. So, um, who? Uh, which Misley character was uh, played Scrooge in Muppets Christmas Carol? Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Yes. Well done. Yeah, well, I meant like person, you know. Have you met Michael Caine? <laughs> he's he a character, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> what colour traditionally, right, originally did Father Christmas wear? Green. 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 Oh, yeah, green. Yeah, well done. When, when, uh, why did he change it to red? Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. That's a myth. That is a, uh, that is a myth. Well, is it? It, it, is it did change. It, it, well, so actually, it was changed almost 100 years previous by um, a company called Sugar Plums, who um, turned Father Christmas red for their advert and then Coca-Cola obviously brought it to the masses um, and then one about uh, miserly Scottish people the, um, playing up to traditions the Scots have uh, frugally never uh, bought a Christmas tree a co- some country donates a fair tree to them every year and they happily accept it so they don't have to pay for it where does it come from? Norway, Norway. Scandinavia Norway well done Norway Um Speaking of countries where you may not expect somebody to be from, where is Saint Nick from? Scandinavia. Turkey. Greenland. He is from Turkey. <laughs> is which he? Is, he is, yeah. No, he is actually from Turkey. I know and, a lot of um, Christmas trivia. <laughs> yeah, I bet he's here. And then um, one little fact, just to round it off on, because I'm, uh, I've kind of I forgot to turn it into a question, but. One uh, US store trying to play up on the whole Coca-Cola thing and really ram into Christmas. They once gave... Oh, no, I can turn it to question. They once gave a phone number for Father Christmas out, though. Um, where did that phone number actually call? A brothel. <laughs> no. Less less seedy than that. Okay. Mm. McDonald's. Uh, far less seedy than that, but equally <laughs> it's official. Um. Uh, it's actually the US nuclear defense. And that is where. <laughs> and then to make it seem like they were in on the joke, that's when they started tracking Father Christmas using the um, that radar. Oh, see where he follows all night. Yeah. 
That was so Very that good. they didn't seem like uh, somebody had stumbled upon their phone number. Yeah. They pretended <laughs> like it was all part, all, all part of an act. So Joel was clearly the winner of the uh, creepy Yule Lads quiz. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well done, Joel. <laughs> yeah. And I th- uh, hope that gave you enough time to work out what you wanted to say about Christmas Chronicles. Uh, it very much did. Thank you very much, Ozzy. Um, I didn't know Joel knew so much about Icelandic folklore. <laughs> no. Joel Olafur Robinson. You didn't know this about it. <laughs> I think, oddly, the creepiest one wasn't the sheep molester. It was the bowl licker. Do you know what I mean? I think <laughs> <I'll>, <laughs> that one's going to stick with me a little bit. Well, Every time I pop my bowl down while I'm going to sleep, I'm going to be, uh, gonna be worrying. <laughs> did, I mention, did, I mention, mention, did I mention the sausage swiper? I really hope it's not someone who steals sausages as well. Jimmy. Wasn't that your, <laughs> your nickname at school as well? As <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we had the same motors operandi, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and hiding, hiding the raptors while people slept. <laughs> Swiping them. Uh, right, Why well, don't they ever talk about this stuff on like Vikings or anything? You know, when they talked about yeah. Odin, never <laughs> no, heard them no. mention the sausage swiper. Swiper, <laughs> 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 yeah. might sort of make him seem yeah. fucking stupid, might it? It, 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 makes <laughs> them, it? Makes them seem a lot less manly, doesn't it? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. If they're out on oh. the boat and they're like, "Oh, you fear the wrath of Odin," just... like, "Oh, I feel the wrath of the sausage swiper." Yeah, <laughs> I was just like, "Whoa, what was that? Was that Bolliker?" <laughs> <laughs> you can see it now. It's like, what's wrong, Ragnarsson? That's stumpy. Thwarting <laughs> me again. I was going to eat that, that stubby bastard. <laughs> Punching uh, the sheep all over again. <laughs> oh. Right. Oh, wow. It's hard, to, hard to follow that up with a, uh, a conclusion, but I'll do my best. Um, Christmas Chronicles 2. Um, it did, you know, I was... Uh, I was pleasantly surprised that it did set off in its own direction. You know, I, I sort of did think it was going to do what Gav said, um, you know, that it was basically just going to be a rehash, you know, Wayne's World 2, basically same film done again. But it does sound like it's trying to do a bit of world building. I do. It does sound like it's really researching, doesn't the mythology of Christmas. Um, I was, I was, uh, able, I think I'm, because it's a Christmas film, I was sometimes able to think, well, you know what? Um, yeah, maybe it's there's a few plot holes and there's a few MacGuffins and stuff going wrong, but it is a Christmas film, so I'm I'm, I'm prepared to give it be fairly lenient on stuff like that. I was surprised at a bit of a dark tone. I mean, I watch um, Dash getting mauled by a Yule cat, and I'm quite interested to see what that's going to feel like when I when I watch that because it does seem like an odd thing to do, but then it does seem like it was going for more of a an action feel anyway. Um, but on plot, I have to say, I was getting a bit lost. I know I know, it's meant to be a fun action film, but it did seem like an awful lot. Then, you, you know, things get getting introduced, like a magical biscuit was, you know, and, and people were climbing mountains. It seemed like we were trying to get the star, and then we were also trying to get some elf spains because all the elves were high or something like that. And it, it all seemed a bit sort of, it seemed very busy. So it seems like a very, quite, quite, a, quite a lot going on in the plot. Um... I think something that sort of did sway me a little bit was, um, I mean, it, it doesn't sound like the child acting is very good. It, it does sound like Joel did con- convince me <laughs> pretty heftily on that one. I, I have to say, <laughs> extremely convincing when he was t- saying he did not like the child acting in this film. I definitely believed he felt that. Um, and as much as I want to see Kurt Russell and Goldie Horn, and it did seem like in the trailer that's what they were going for, you know, Gav was saying this is more geared towards children. Um, 
it, it's hard. Uh, like I know people say this, but I've actually found this really, really hard. Um, I think though, I'm. Uh, do you know what? I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to follow my heart on this and and say I, I don't think it's a very good film. I, I think it might be a fun film to watch. I don't think it's a Christmas classic. And I think it is a little bit due to a busy plot and not very good acting from the main characters. So I'm not looking at Gav as I say this, but I'm actually going to put it on the shit list. Oh, not sure if I've been... Uh, yeah, sorry, don't, don't make the Christmas noise. Not... <laughs> I know someone who's getting a visit from the bowl bad. liquor this Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of swipe is going to be on me. <laughs> Right, genuine opinions, Joel. I need to need to know if you thought that the child, the child acting was really as bad as you thought. If you just said it was, um, yeah, I did think the child acting was as bad as I thought. That it was pretty bad. Um, I also thought it was a lot worse than the the first one. I didn't think it was very good at all, to be honest. Like, I can't remember who was on at the start of this call, but we were saying like, you know. It was maybe, maybe like <laughs> the sheer amount, of, sheer amount of Christmas films they make. Maybe one time they'll make a good one, but you'd think that Christopher Columbus could make a good Christmas film, but he's, he's it's just very wide of the mark, in my opinion. I just think it was a convoluted mess, and I thought the CGI was pretty terrible as well. Okay, uh, Dave. Um, I agree that it's, it's not going to go down as a Christmas classic. I don't think. I think Christmas Chronicles one could. Has the potential to? I don't, I'm not sure this does. Uh, it is wider than Mark, maybe not as wide um, as Joel thinks it is. I thought it was. I think Screw kids you, will love it. I'm just saying. I'm just. Saying. <laughs> I think, I think kids. Case. I think kids will genuinely love it. I really do. I think kids will be all over this. I think any adults that watch it with them, I think, may come away quite disappointed. There's a lot to entice them in, not a lot to make them stay. I think it is a bit jumbled. Um, I think I would have expected better from Christopher Columbus. Um, dude, I have no fault with Kurt Russell or Goldie Horn. Let's get that on the record right now. Thank God. I didn't, Thank God. I didn't for a second think you did, Dave. Don't worry. <laughs> the addition of, of Darlene Love to the cast for that song cameo is just an absolute treat. It really is. You know, her voice just signifies Christmas since that Christmas album she did. You know, she's fantastic. I didn't think the kids were that bad. Uh, you know, they're not, they're not stellar performances, but you know what? I think these kids could have careers. Later down the line, I don't think they're going to burn. Like not, out. not, um, not Artemis Fowl bad. No, nowhere near as bad as Artemis Fowl. Nowhere mm. near. I, I think the kids were okay in this. You know, they weren't. They didn't set the, the film alight, but they were okay. I think they did a solid job. CGI was not good, um, and for the budget this had, the sequel budget that Netflix pumped into this, the CGI should have been better. Um, you do expect better in this day and age. Um, so yeah, that was a bit of a letdown. All in all, it's enjoyable enough. Kids will love it, and it is kids that it's made for. Gavin Ozzy are right. But um, for any cynical adults that might stumble across <laughs> it, there's plenty to pick apart here. Yeah, I, uh, I firstly, I do not think the child actors were anywhere near as bad as Joel said. I actually thought that they were all right. I mean, I, I, maybe it was watching a different film, but uh, I will <laughs> say that I, I have spoken to people who've watched it with their kids, and they said that the kids absolutely loved it. And I've spoken to some adults as well who said they really loved it as well. I didn't. I don't think it was as good as the first one. I think it was a little bit, it did get a bit lost. And I did kind of want to see more of, of Santa and Mrs. Claus. But, you know, they went in a different direction. It's more focused towards kids, as Dave said, and as Ozzy and I were saying in, in the trial, it's more focused towards the kids. I think the kids are actually going to really love it. But whereas before, I felt, I felt with the first one, 
the kids would love it because you had those little little elements of you know the elves coming in and doing slapstick comedy sort of stuff but you could also enjoy it as an adult whereas this time around they've they've done it the other way around now it's like 90 percent of like kids related stuff and 10 percent stuff that adults could appreciate so i think they've alienated uh, well i I mean (laughs) anybody who was going to watch this who doesn't have a child maybe but then again you know maybe i'm just a cynical old prick so. I think I think I think we're all maybe pricks. Just, just maybe, yeah. Uh, and uh, finally, Ozzy, I thought it was good. I quite enjoyed it. I'm, uh, I didn't think it was too bad. So I think it's a nice, easy, fun Christmas film, and and it's not as not going to be a classic like the first one. That one was definitely up there. You know, people will watch that like Home Alone, uh, Plane, Trains, and Automobiles for Joel. You know, I think that would easily be in that list for so many people. This one less so, and. I still liked it. It was just clearly more for kids. It's more, it's just too fast paced. You know, the other one is cleverer. Um, but I liked it. I still thought it was a good Christmas film. Okay. okay. Thank I you. Feel, I feel, I feel kind of validated. I don't feel I did. I mean, I did a. It, it's it not a service. Some... Yeah, yeah. It's not no. a service to put it in it, uh, on the shit list based on. No, we you, judge, yeah, you know. I think you'll struggle to. to, I, to the end. I, I'm it's pretty sure two hours long. Yeah, I think I'll hate this from start to finish. I'm extremely <laughs> cynical and dead inside. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, so high uh, <laughs> roll lower. I, I probably shouldn't even bother doing this. High roll lower than our previous film on trial, which was comedy oh, class. I'm going to go for higher. Straight to automobiles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say 99%. Yeah. Oh, okay, is a better one then. Higher or lower than uh, the film before that, which was Secret Garden, which was 62 and 49 on Rotten Tomatoes. Say high, higher at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Higher for now. It's only just come out. Yeah, it what is. Was high- that? 62, did you say? Um, yeah, 62. Well, you just ruined it anyway. You, you already said the word high. Oh, yeah, 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 it's high. Uh, 69% is critical, 62% of audience. Thing is, though, is that there's only about like a hundred odd um, reviews at the moment, so I, I don't know. Maybe it's only been out like what, three or four oh, yeah, days. Three days, yeah, yeah. 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 It's um, really yeah. hard to. Uh, I actually had to watch it because there's not enough reviews to base a uh, <laughs> base <laughs> <an opinion. laughs> uh, now, and, I, and you know, what? and I'm glad I did. I enjoyed yeah. it. <laughs> well done, well Aussie, done, you should have left with that as an argument, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're, we're, although it is Christmas season and we're going to be trying to review as many Christmas films as we can in this time, I will say that we are having a break next week, though, because we're going to be reviewing Mank. That's right, the David Fincher biopic or biopic of the potential probable screenwriter of Citizen Kane. So, yeah, that's going to be reviewed. It's on Netflix for anybody who's interested and wants to watch it beforehand. It comes out this Friday. The roles have been picked out at random. So in defense and trying to get it put on the hit list, there's going to be Alex and Ozzy. In prosecution, trying to get a place on the shit list will be me and Joel, which means, Dave, you are going to be judging that one. And just a note for everybody who's listening and one for your calendars, on Monday the... I can't even remember the date. Is it the 20th or the 21st? 21st. (laughs) I keep on saying this. Monday the 21st, we're going to be doing a Facebook Live episode. We're going to be putting Elf on trial. So stick that in your calendars all you got to do is just follow us on facebook and stream along live half past 7 p.m on uk time so uh watch along there'll be lots of interactive elements including a poll and a quiz and a caption contest with some christmasy chocolate prizes for the winners it'll be a good laugh and you know what else are you going to be doing on a monday night probably nothing it's locked down so come on uh, it won't be by then 
well, it depends which tier you're in. If you're in tier three, then you've got no excuses, essentially. So, <laughs> uh, now, uh, thanks to everybody who has listened to this episode. If you liked it, please remember, like, share, subscribe, check us out on Apple Podcasts, and why not leave us a five-star review? Spread the warm love that is Films on Trial in as many ears as possible. Check out our Twitter page, at Film Trials. Check us out on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook, Films on Trial. So, that is it. Christmas Chronicles 2 is a shit and we will be in your ears next week with Mank. Goodbye. You're going to walk in like with your little sander and your little goggles on and something like that and we're all going to be like sat round in your living room being like, hi Gav, no one's here to attack you. Right? <laughs>